Midwife calling. Welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we are talking about every episode of Call the Midwife, one by one, without spoilers as much as we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paula Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we are talking about the fifth episode of season six of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by Lisa Clark and written by Andrea Gibb. This is Andrea Gibbs first episode of Call the Midwife. Lisa Clark has directed two episodes before, both last season. Most recently, the episode where the Turners go on vacation and the locum doctor gives a mother really bad advice, mm. uh, which is also the episode where Sister Mary Cynthia was attacked. Oh, interesting. Yes, it is. Um... Do you think all of our listeners know what kind of doctor you are? You always say, I'm not that kind of doctor. What kind of doctor are you, Paul? I'm a, I have a PhD in medieval literature. Mm, and you're not a medical doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. Right. I'm not the kind of doctor that you're thinking of. I'm the real kind of doctor. Because <laughs> the title doctor uh, referred only to people who had done doctorates until uh, doctorates gave permission to medical doctors to use the title and uh, medical degrees are not doctorates. Medical quote unquote doctors do not have doctorates and they aren't real doctors. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. I'm so glad I asked. I'm so glad I asked. (laughs) If you're still listening. (laughs) Don't hang up now. Are dentists doctors? Okay. No, let's not get into that. Except that it's relevant to this episode. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get into our recap. Mature Jenny narrates about mothers as we see Val preparing to go to Nanatis. Her mother walks with her and says goodbye, giving her broken biscuits. She's put in a room with Trixie and is set to work right away. Barbara visits Mrs. Ivy Jackson, a dressmaker, who has a son with Down syndrome, Reggie. Fred is Ivy's cousin and arrives to fix the plumbing in her house. Trixie is called to Crystal Williams, a pregnant mom who is not in labor after all, but dealing with painful teeth. Trixie refuses to pull her teeth with pliers and takes her to Dr. Turner. She is angry and upset to be sent to the dentist. Val and the other nurses snack and smoke in their room, and she is quickly accepted as one of them. On Sunday, Ivy leaves Reggie and goes to church, but at church she collapses and dies quickly. Reggie waits for her, but Fred comes to break the news that his mother has died. Fred brings him to his home, and Violet struggles with what it means and how they can care for him. Sister Monica Joan talks to Val and tells her that she and Sister Evangelina were the ones who delivered her. So where do you, do you want to start with Val and just yeah. talking about Val, the new midwife? Uh, she is, at the same time, like we talked about it when we were hiring her, she is not uh, completely at sea with what the East End is the way all the other new midwives have been, but she still is 
at sea with what midwifery at Nanata's house is. And she does look a little like a deer in headlights at several points in this episode. I think what she is is in awe yeah. of Nanata's because she grew up with them being like, you don't give broken biscuits to the nuns and the midwives of Nanatus, you know, like she's, she's got that awe going into it that of course, the exact opposite of like Jenny and Barbara going into it. Yeah. It's really interesting uh, juxtaposition. They are all when she uh, does, you know, goes off and does some things and then she comes to her room. She, oh, by the way, she wants a room to herself. She doesn't want to share with Barbara because she snores like an elephant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, not Barbara, Trixie, Trixie. But too bad for Trixie. Yeah. Um, and when she gets back, everyone is, all the nurses are in her room and they're like welcoming her and she like looks overwhelmed and in awe. Yes. And one thing I noticed is Barbara is still smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara who has learned to smoke. Barbara learned how to smoke in South Africa and is still doing it. <laughs> Not keeping the bugs away anymore, are we, Barbara? <laughs> uh, and as you said, uh... Val shares broken biscuits because it's all she has. She wants to be a host because it's her room, but she has nothing to offer except broken biscuits, which they take very happily. Yeah. Uh, and we end this section of her um, with what you talked about. Sister Monica Joan recognizes her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I maybe mentioned in a previous episode, Val was delivered by someone and I was not sure and it was because we actually didn't know yet and we find out it's sister monica joan and sister evangelina and sister monica joan is a bit odd in this like she's (laughs) i mean she's always odd but she is she's acting like upset about it i don't Mm. quite know it's a little bit like it's i don't know exactly what what is meant to be going on with her in that moment yeah. I almost feel like its placement in the episode is in the wrong spot. Like it's supposed to be later when Sister Monica Joan is distressed. Hmm. Because this early in the episode she's not distressed, she's just like I delivered you kind of thing, but she seems already upset about things. What I am reading into it is it is uh her and Sister Evangelina and oh, it is yeah. a uh re- refreshing of her grief and missing right, Sister Evangelina. I didn't that's yeah, you're totally right. It's about missing Sister Evangelina as well. I mean it might be other things too, but yeah. that's what I how that's I That's a good that's thought. a good point though. But it's very cool that one of the midwives is now someone who was delivered by Sister Monica Joan. Yeah. And I'll put in my plug once again for Sister Monica Joan prequel will be so good. Sister Monica Joan prequel when? <laughs> Never. Uh the show is like renewed to like 15 seasons it's wild uh so let's go back to uh reggie and mrs jackson um and here's where i mean we had the i usually like to start with the voiceover i kind of forgot to but uh the voiceover most clearly um connects with reggie and mrs jackson especially Mm -hmm. in this first part yeah like we do have a little, uh, I think it's as we're saying, like, letting go, we have Val saying goodbye to her mother and mm-hmm. moving into Nada's house. But it's mostly about uh, Reggie 
uh ivy is very protective Mm -hmm. uh and he needs he needs special care and she is giving him special Mm -hmm. care and whether she wants to or not like the the truth in the voiceover that uh even as uh, mother nurtures and cherishes and shelters and protects, she must teach the child to leave her, train it to let go of her hand and walk away. Mm-hmm. And like we see illustrated in Reggie and Ivy's story that like that is a absolute necessity. You you can you have to leave your children one way or another. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, um, Ivy, we see later on in her funeral, the dates on her grave. And so it's 1901 uh, to 1962. So she's 61 years old. And Reggie's only 21. So she had him at like 40. Mm. So that really goes into like, uh, your chances of having a baby with Down syndrome increase past mm-hmm. into older older pregnancies so it actually really makes sense that he would have down syndrome when she was if she gave birth to him at 40 she's a geriatric geriatric pregnancy um but then also at 61 you're not expecting to die any moment necessarily like she's feeling a little sick but she you know that's she's she's not expecting that reggie is going to be left alone anytime soon she's dying not excessively young but not old 61 is not 61 is is dying young is dying young yeah uh in terms of the expected life of in terms of her life expectancy 61 is dying young and i remember i knew she was going to die in this episode because Mm -hmm. i've seen it before but i didn't remember how and when and i did not remember that she like suddenly drops dead in church yeah there's like, she's clearly unwell. She's, like, clutching her heart and, like, uh, but I was really expecting this episode. I was expecting her to die, like, halfway through and it to be, like, she's sick and fading. I had forgotten how quickly it happens mm-hmm. that she just, like, collapses and is dead. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, yeah, surprising and shocking even to, to viewers. Yeah, exactly. So she hasn't had any chance to prepare, but she also hasn't at all been preparing Reggie to yeah. be away from her. She has done everything for him. She gives him instructions that no one else knows because it's just the two of them. Yeah. And so no, he, and Reggie can't quite communicate the instructions that he's given by his mom. Mm-hmm. And they, he, we see this whole scene before she leaves for church of her pointing to the clock mm-hmm. and explaining the clock and you know i'll be back at 6 30 that's the big hand is here and the little hand mm-hmm. is here show me on the clock so that you understand and then uh when um, one of the other rules that she tells him is he's not allowed to open the door but fred convinces him to open the door yeah. because he's his cousin fred and your mother won't mind um and they explain to him that she is dead, and they explain to him that she is seeing God. She's, he, he asks if she's with God, and he seems very like, okay. Uh, and then, of course, that uh, 
is evidence that he hasn't really understood Mm -hmm. what it means. And he asks, where will the little hand be when my mom gets back from seeing God? Yeah. Uh, That's rough and so sad. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. So his cousin Fred, or his, yeah, Ivy's cousin. So his cousin once removed, Fred, um, takes him in, takes him home. Tells mm-hmm. Violet, uh, we're all he has. Uh, he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Uh, and we'll come back to it in the next parts. But in this part, Violet is not exactly pleased. No. And uh, they don't know how to com- care for someone like him being someone with Down syndrome. I don't know. I didn't look up when Down syndrome became the term that we would use. There's... Uh, but they, there are many different terms used for him throughout the episode. I don't think that any of them are Down Syndrome. No, we never use the word Down Syndrome in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look it up and see that it was uh, called Down Syndrome in 1866, uh, described by English physician John Langdon Down, and therefore called Down Syndrome. But... Uh, it wasn't the accepted term until the 70s. Okay, so that's, yeah. A few decades after this. We'll come back again to it, but I'm just going to say right now, at this point in the episode, Vile is ticking me off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes and no. Fred has this tendency to just, like, open his giant heart and do things without thinking. And as yeah, much as and I it's love... why I love him. <laughs> doesn't always make the best decisions that way. Remember in the past when he's sometimes like had these harebrained schemes that haven't gone so well and and Reggie is a person so cannot be treated as a harebrained scheme. So I do pre like I do think that Violet needs to open her and you know will by the end of the episode, but uh I do think that she is trying to temper Reggie, temper Fred a little bit of like, okay, what is the plan here? You're just flying off without any plans. Yeah. She says he's simple. Yeah. He needs proper care, Mm -hmm. which is, it is true that he needs proper care and also true that they can't really provide it. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't think she's, uh, practically speaking, I don't think she's wrong. But she annoys me in the start of this episode (laughs) for being so closed-hearted. Yes. I'm Uh, not wrong. And lastly, in this, the other kind of plot of the episode is Crystal Williams, who Trixie is called to as, like, the most, I don't know what they call her, I I, I call her miserable woman in Poplar, and... She's calling because she's in pain. They assume it's labor, but it turns out she is trying to get her husband to pull out her tooth with pliers, which is horrifying. Oh, this whole plot with Crystal and her, like, miserable teeth. And, like, and frankly, like, is that the reason that she's the most miserable person in Poplar? Is literally, like, she's has horrible teeth and is in tooth pain? She's constantly in pain. Yeah. I mean, when we see her teeth are rough yeah they're uh, very rotten when we see them they are like all black and rotten mm-hmm. um later in the episode there's some specific uh 
description of his, her like abscesses and whatever, but just the glimpse of her teeth mm-hmm. is like they are very uh rough. And it made me go down a bit of a like looking things up of there's like the stereotype that British people have bad teeth. And I was mm. like, where does that come from? Does that like there was poor dental hygiene or something in there? It's like, no, not at all. It really comes from um, Hollywood, the beginning of Hollywood. And in the States, it was very much a trend that if you were in Hollywood, you got your teeth straightened and whitened and used all that stuff. Whereas if you were... In the UK, you didn't. And so British actors would come over and they would be like, ew, your teeth are all crooked and not fixed properly. And it's still, yeah, it's even still true. But in terms of like dental care, UK has some of the best dental care. It's through the NHS. It's just Just as good as as anything else. The people they put on TV. And I mean, like, this is a little bit uh, um, of a tangent, but... Nobody in Hollywood is at that their real teeth. Literally exactly. none of them. Yeah. They're all wearing caps or dentures a hundred percent and I I don't care that I haven't done the research. I guarantee a hundred percent of them are wearing some kind of caps or dentures because they all have like chiclet white teeth. Yeah, exactly. Um, like uh Crystal does at the end of the episode. Um and I wit- witness as an example. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, who when he was a British TV chef had crooked teeth, and when he became uh, got an American career, his teeth got white. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it still is the standard, a different standard of people on TV have to have unnaturally white teeth in the mm-hmm. States. Uh, but her teeth are like rough. She hates dentists. They are butchers. Um, I went on a slight rabbit hole, which I didn't finish. Uh, so I... I it, um, the pulling teeth out with pliers reminds me, uh, in the 19th century, dentists, like you asked our dentist doctors, in the 19th century, dentists were often, like, literally, uh, like, mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like, someone strong and with pliers is the person who would be the dentist in the town. And so, like, someone with a strong stomach and pliers and the ability to yank out a tooth uh, before dentistry became a real profession. And there's some hero in... I looked it up just now while you were talking, and I was wrong. I thought maybe it was Adam Bede. But there's some 19th century novel like Adam Bede, where the main character is a dentist. Hmm. And he is a dentist because he has strong forearms and access to pliers. Like, he's not medical. <laughs> yeah. He is... Uh, they were often, they were often the, like, the barbers. Yeah, too. exactly. So just um, Crystal's husband not being willing to pull out the tooth with pliers is like, you know, a uh, hundred years earlier, that would be like as good as you could expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what she kind of thinks. It's that often it's the thing we see on this show fairly often is kind of the old world thinking that has of stuck what around. healthcare is. Yeah. yeah. Her expectations on healthcare, dentists or butchers, because it wasn't so long ago that dentists were not butchers, but like. Not much better mm-hmm. in terms of like being able to do actual medical stuff to help you. Sister Winifred excited, excitedly announces that she's helping with Dr. Turner's new dental initiative. At the Turner's, Sheila is feeling much better and is allowed to return to work. 
Fred and Violet leave Reggie alone, pointing to the clock just like his mom did. Fred talks with Sheila about where Reggie can live, and she mentions a mental hospital, Lynchmere. In the clinic, Sister Winifred annoys Trixie with her loud dental clinic, and she meets the de new dentist, Mr. Dockerell. Trixie examines Crystal and finds out that she did not go to the hospital to see the dentist after all, so she invites Mr. Dockerell to look at her teeth. He is kind to her and invites them to come to the hospital so she can be properly examined. Reggie attempts to make a grilled sandwich, but a knock at the door leaves him locked outside. He leaves the gas on and wanders the street, meeting some thugs and eventually making it back to his mom's house where Fred finds him. The next day, Fred takes him to weed the garden and interrupted by Sister Monica Joan. She and Reggie discuss flowers and he shows her the bulbs he has picked to be presents for his mom. At the hospital, Trixie holds Crystal's hand as she is examined. The, the dentist recommends that all of her teeth come out, but promises dentures. Violet fits Reggie in his suit, and they discuss how he wants to go to the gardens every day. He cries over his mum, and they bond. At the funeral, Reggie drops the bulbs onto the casket. So, where do you want to start in this well, section? Well, let's just continue with the dentist thing okay. of... Uh, Sister Winifred. <laughs> Sister Winifred. Together, we're going to save the burrow's teeth. <laughs> she so is so excited about everything. And I say this every time, but like I gather from the Call the Midwife Reddit that people don't like Sister Winifred, and I like her so much. I know, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, Sheila sings, and then later on, we hear the record of "I'm a." pink toothbrush you're a blue toothbrush and that is from max bygraves who was entertainer tv personality etc but it was from east end close not far from poplar so mm. he not only is like he's kind of you know a local celebrity as well as a celebrity yes that is something i had that song is not one i was aware no, of at me all neither, not at we all. have we go from Sheila's singing it to the record, and Sheila's singing it, and we see Angela brushing her teeth very slowly, very wide-eyed, <laughs> in the way that Angela on this show, and the actor, the little child actor for Angela is just like, open your eyes very wide and be quiet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if that's the direction she is given, but that is the acting she is capable of, and she is so cute and funny, yeah. and like, big, wide eyes, moves very slowly, Never makes a sound. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's a little subplot gets raised here that I want to mention while we're talking about the Turners that isn't about teeth, which is that the house is getting too small for them. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, uh, they're complaining. Tim is complaining that things are crowded. And Patrick is like, well, tidy the room. And Tim says, I do tidy the room. And then it gets untidy again. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I love sassy Tim. And yeah. I, that is one of the funniest moments to me. It gets untidy again. It's a mystery. <laughs> Just can't let it go by. It was yeah, so funny. It's, nice. it's always good when we see Tim being a little sassy because he's sometimes a little bit too good. But yes. in this moment, it's yeah, like, oh, I don't want to share a room with my tiny baby sister anymore. <laughs> And so, we're having another one. There is a handsome dentist at mm -hmm. the clinic. And uh, definitely there's no... 
nothing happening between him and Trixie because they immediately don't like each other. Exactly. So exactly. she doesn't even want to talk to him. So clearly that's the end of that interaction. <laughs> but just, just like when Elizabeth Bennett met Mr. Darcy. Just Mr. Dockerel. <laughs> Mr. Dockerel. Uh, he is not snobby to her, though. He likes no, her at once, but she doesn't like him. Uh, clearly, not at all. Uh, but Crystal won't go to a dentist. They made an appointment for her, and she doesn't go. Mm-hmm. This is something we see so often on this show: appointments that they don't, that people don't uh, follow up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is afraid of dentists. I can relate, Crystal. My teeth are not nearly that bad but i went a long time between dentists what at one point uh because it is hard it was hard for me to be motivated to go visit a dentist when my teeth were not hurting me and uh i was just as happy not to know the state of them (laughs) they looked fine and they weren't hurting me and i'd never gone away from a dentist feeling like hooray that was a lovely experience but our dentist now is great, actually, and a... I do go away from the dentist thinking, "What a nice experience!" Sometimes, exactly. He's a really, I really enjoy our dentist's office. It's, it's one of these nice. things where he is the so friendly, and then it clearly makes an atmosphere. So all the uh, dental hygienists are also like really friendly and positive. Mm-hmm. And that's Crystal's experience too. Mister Dockerel is quite nice, mm-hmm. and she likes him, even though he's a dentist. He doesn't touch her teeth. He doesn't, he, like, just open your mouth and I will look at your teeth. And then she says, he's come back. Uh, you can hold Nurse uh, um, Trixie. <laughs> Nurse Franklin's Franklin. hand. <laughs> oh, I just blanked on her last name. You can hold Nurse Franklin's hand and then come to me and see me. I need to look. What are you going to do to me? I'm just going to look at your teeth again with better lights and equipment. And you can hold Nurse Franklin's hand again. Um, and that's all very kind and gentle. Uh, I don't think he should do anything different. But I do think, like, he knows perfectly well that he is not just going to look at her mouth. Mm-hmm. But he says what he has to do to get her there, I yeah. suppose. Well, and what he's going to do is advise her, and then they'll go from there. So yeah, really, it is just looking at this at that point. And the advice when she does go is what is is not surprising to me at all. Mm-hmm. But is uh, he is wants to pull all of her teeth? Yeah, which is much. It was much more common back then, up until like the eighties, early nineties. Just pull them all and get dentures was a common thing, and so. But more, like, technology has improved in dentistry, and we don't get that happening anymore. More likely to get bridges and, you know, a few false teeth that are put in permanently and all that stuff. So, like, the stereotypical, like, there's an old person that that puts their teeth in a jar next to them is just not something that happens anymore. As much anymore. Not as much. I would love to hear if anyone has stories, because I... That is mostly anecdotal, what I'm saying. I didn't actually look it up too much. My but... granddaddy had dentures that he kept in a jar by the yeah. by the bed. Uh, and, like, he, I think, from his 60s. I think, like, he was old to me then, but I don't think he was that old, mm-hmm. actually, when he had dentures. And I don't know any, none of the 60, 70-year-olds that I know well enough to know their dental routines, none of them have dentures anymore. Exactly. Like, yeah. Not anymore, but like 
neither of my parents have dentures. Mm -hmm. Is it commonplace to give dentures at all anywhere? I am very curious now. You know, tell Mm -hmm. me your story in the Discord or wherever in an email. Or don't. I don't know if I want to hear that much about dental things. (laughs) I'm just curious. And probably after this is over, I'm going to look some things up. So the other thing going on in this section is with Fred and Vi and Mm -hmm. Fred and Reggie and Violet. Um, And one of the things that Ivy told Reggie when she left for church, it was, here's the time I'm going to be back. Look at the clock, the big hand, the little hand. It was, don't open the door. And it was, don't touch the stove. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fred has not told. Fred tells Reggie, here's the time. Look at the clock. But he doesn't know to say, don't touch the stove. And yeah. Reggie does touch the stove, tries to make a sandwich, uh, and leaves the gas on. And like, you know, let's not mince words, almost kills them all. Yeah, exactly. Like, when Fred gets home... The apartment is full of gas, which, like, could easily have exploded or suffocated someone. Uh, In fact, if Reggie had stayed in that room, he may have died. Yeah. Yeah, because it's only by chance that he, there's a knock at the door of a delivery and he goes out to get it Mm -hmm. and is locked out. And that's why he's not home. So if he had stayed home, that room full of gas. Yeah. I, I, like, they... Do take it seriously, but I just was like filling the whole house with gas is like yeah, terrifying. so much more serious. Yeah. Um, then he gets locked out of home, uh, because he the other rule don't open the door. He opens the door, goes out, and the door locks behind him, and he goes back to his old house to mm-hmm. knock on his old door. On the way, he gets hassled by, like, you called them thugs. I wrote down, like, fictional 80s bullies. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's a bit weird. They're, I mean, I guess people are jerks for no reason. They're very unmotivated jerks for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yelling at him and calling him names just out of the blue. Um, and really with no consequences Mm -hmm. it just like makes being outside scary for him i guess yeah but uh then he comes home to knock on his old door and that's where fred finds him trying to get into the house his mother's house uh and when they bring him back violet says i told you so Mm -hmm. told you this was going to happen and it's still like she's pretty uh this is evidence of why we shouldn't have him here in the first place, and he's not, he can't stay with us. Yeah. Which she's still, I mean, she's harsh, but she's still not entirely wrong. But she's harsh, and what happens later is she fixes his suit and bonds with him a little bit, and... I'm awfully glad that I'm she off- does. Yeah, and it actually is much better. It doesn't take long for her to, like, yes. bond with him. It take. I mean, it doesn't take long in real time. It takes, it feels like quite a way into the episode. That's true. That's true. Uh, if you think in real time, it seems like it's the next day. Mm-hmm. But in episode time, it's like, we yeah, hear a lot a more of like, why is he here? I don't want him here. We can't take him, send yeah. him to die in the street for all I can. She doesn't say that. But that's no. the attitude I feel from her <laughs> that makes me annoyed. Yeah. Or, um, 
But then she softens to him when she spends a little time actually yeah. with him because she is a, does have a good heart. Sheila mentions that uh, St. Cuthbert's is closed. Yes. So that's um, the place that we've seen in the past where the, oh, I don't remember any of their names. Jacob, I want to say. And the mm-hmm. young girl with Down syndrome who gets pregnant. Yeah. And Chummy delivers. It's like a stillborn baby. I do want to say Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. And Jacob has uh, cerebral, pal- cerebral palsy. He's in a couple of episodes. And yeah. so we see, yeah, we see that place. Oh, and uh, Jane, who was a nurse there, used to go there. Yes. So we've seen that place. And so it's conveniently, for plot reasons, has been shut down. Uh, so Reggie can't go there. And the only other place that Sheila knows about is Lynchmere, a, ho- a mental hospital. And and uh, I find Fred's like, the loony bin, he's not barmy. He... <laughs> Like, yeah. Oh, he even with his like experience with Reggie, still will say things like "loony bin," you know. Yeah. the The other thing, just in that talking about St. Cuthbert's and Lynchmere, is Reggie is twenty one, mm-hmm. so he can't. There are care homes, but they're for children. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so the only place that she can think of is a mental hospital, which doesn't feel appropriate to Fred because... No. And it isn't appropriate. And it isn't appropriate. Yeah. He's not... He's not barmy. He's just a bit, you know. And that is, like, the what Fred is driving at is he's not sick. Yeah. He's not an, uh, a... Uh, Developmental disorder is not the same as an illness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he needs care, but he doesn't need uh, acute care, uh, which a hospital is able to and equipped to and prepared to and accustomed to provide. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need a mental hospital. That's you know not appropriate for his needs. Mm-hmm. Which absolutely fair enough. Crystal has all of her teeth removed and awakes. To no teeth, but laughter. (laughs) She soon goes into labor, and Mr. Dockerill comes along to help. She has a baby boy, and Trixie and Mr. Dockerill exchange smiles. Sister Monica Joan accompanies Fred to Lynchmere to see if it's acceptable for Reggie. She is immediately upset by the stark reality of the place and its locks, as is Fred. Sister Monica Joan discovers that Sister Mary Cynthia is there in the hospital. They return home quickly, and she sobs. Sister Julienne calls the mother, mother house, but Sister Monica Joan is very distressed. Meanwhile, Sister Mary Cynthia underco- undergoes electrotherapy to her distress. Fred comes home to tell, Reg- to tell Violet that Reggie will not be going to Lynchmere. She agrees that he's stuck with them. Sheila later comes to them with a new place for him to go. They struggle to know what to do. When Sister Julienne goes to get Sister Mary Cynthia from Lynchmere, the nurse refuses to let her in. And at Nanotis, Sister Winifred asks if she can learn how to drive. (laughs) Phyllis reluctantly agrees to teach her, and it results in hilarity. Crystal has her new teeth and laughs with joy, and afterwards, Mr. Dockerill reveals his first name, Christopher and asks Trixie out who agrees. Reggie goes to Greenwood and it is lovely. Reggie leaves some bulbs in Violet's purse. 
The Turners find a new home to live in for their expanding family. Mature Jenny narrates about love as Trixie gets ready for her date alongside Barbara, who is also readying for hers with Tom. Lastly, we see Violet watering Reggie's plants. Let's talk a little more, uh, like, let's talk about Reggie and uh, finish that up. We start this section that uh, you just recapped kind of starts with, or maybe the section before ends with, Sister Monica Joan talking to Fred about, like, hey, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to point out, I want to complain for a sec, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because uh, I quite like sister monica joan in the last bit of this episode she insists on going with fred because uh two opinions are better than one particularly if one of them is mine that's my favorite line from this episode (laughs) (laughs) and her uh profound distress at seeing sister mary cynthia Mm -hmm. in litchfield is very uh if affecting i think Uh, and i want to talk about it in a sec but before all that, she's helping. Okay, she's she's helping to oversee Reggie in the garden, which is how she like bonds with him. She's contradicting Fred about what counts as a weed. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also like Fred is sad, and she's like, you know that this day's sadness will pass, and yet you're distressed. And I'm like, that's such a bad, stupid line. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. Fred, your cousin's funeral was today. Why are you sad? <laughs> like what? <laughs> Agreed. You're trying to get to like naturally make it be like you're upset about something that's not her. What is it? But she, they pass it through a Sister Monica Joan translator, and it is like too far. Yeah, I, I agree. was like, what are you talking about? And then in the same conversation, he's like, I'm gonna go check out Litchfield Hospital, and Sister Monica Joan says, "Is not a hospital for sick people." And I'm like, okay, Sister Monica Joan, I know you're like senile and eccentric and uh a little bit mystical but you are also a medical professional and you know what a hospital is and what it is for (laughs) i know that conversation was a little like no because later on the best thing she says is two opinions are better than one especially when one is mine um (laughs) and it's a great line and like from that point on i love sister monica in this episode but I just had to call out that little conversation for being like, what? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes the writers nail Sister Monica Jones. Sometimes they like go a little overboard with the eccentricities. I want to talk about uh, Litchfield and... Oof, Litchmere. Bi- Litchmere uh, in the context of Reggie and then back up and talk about yes, uh, Sister Mary Cynthia later. So they go uh, to check it out. And, like, it's grim. Yeah, extremely. uh, And the ward would be locked, and there's people just pacing around. Yeah. I love, um, Fred cannot stop playing with his tie. It's like, it's this acting choice that's been made, and I just love it. He just, like, his tie is in his hands, and he's just crumpling it and playing it. Like, he's so anxious and hates it so much, and the only thing he can do is, like, just play with his tie the whole time and it's just i kudos to the actor on that on that choice because it does really ring it's like a subtle thing that rings so like he is deeply uncomfortable and he comes home and reports on lynchfield 
to Violet. Um, the, like, the first thing. Lichmere. Ha! <laughs> Lichfield is the prison in Orange is the New Black. Oh, is it? This is Lichmere. <laughs> but it's like it. I know. That's it's why you're saying like. that. Uh, what is Lich? I mean, Lich is a fantasy creature that is like a zombie. I don't know why Lich is like the preface for a terrible place in fiction. Um, anyway. Uh, it's Lynch. Anyway. Lynchmere field? Lynchfield. No, Lynchmere. I wrote Lynchfield in my notes. That's why I'm so keep coming back to saying it wrong. Okay, I'm correcting my notes wrong. But the first thing he says to Violet is he's not going there, not now, not ever. Mm-hmm. Like, no discussion, no, like, maybe in some circumstances, no. No. And then they kind of agree that or that he is stuck with them uh, because they are going to give him better care than uh, any other option that they have. Mm-hmm. And after they have decided to not to send him away anywhere, then we have the perfect solution present itself. And then they... they yeah. are... and But it also in between, they realize that they can't be they, that he's looking for friends yes and fred is like you're we're your friends you're old yeah exactly yeah there's he this needs moment friends where his he's own age. sad to be with them yeah and that's the reason for the book bu- like narratively for the bullies is that he needs friends his own age and not friends from the neighborhood because there's yes friends from the neighborhood don't exist um sheila is looking through the newspaper and uh cutting a clipping from it and I just want to call out also for just the briefest of moments that the newspaper she's clipping from has a misprint. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it just, it's such a minor one, but uh, it has IT apostrophe S where it should be ITS. <laughs> good, good eye, Paul. I just uh, noticed that uh, and I had to make a note of it. But Sheila brings to that, uh, to Sheila's two things she's, she is in the episode four are to communicate options to uh, the buckles. Mm-hmm. And also she's looking for a house because she's the house that there in is unacceptable. Uh, and I don't actually didn't make a note of which of those two stories the newspaper clipping is for. I think it's for the house. But she finds out about a better place for Reggie. And they go there and it is lovely. Mm-hmm. It's all like green and rolling hills. And they uh, are happy and encouraging that Reggie's a gardener. We need someone in the garden. They ask. It's a, a lovely moment when they ask Reggie, what do you do? And he says, I'm a gardener. Like, and he has been for two days. Exactly. <laughs> but like, this is where his mother was... Uh, supportive and caring and uh you know is deeply missed but also he was in the house all the time mm-hmm. and, know, he was basically just like sitting there staring at the table yeah for hours on end it seems like yeah even i mean we really only see that when she leaves and presumably mm-hmm. she is home a lot of the time yes that's true but like he's a gardener in the past two days because uh it's like, 
I don't want to say that it is good for him that his mother died, but I do want to say that one of the themes of the episode is that it is good for children to grow beyond their parents. Mm -hmm. And not only good, but necessary and inevitable. And we have, you know, the Turners growing beyond their house is the same kind of idea in its own way. But it mostly plays out in Reggie, who, like, he needed to grow beyond what his mother was capable to, of doing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's just what it is to live. And that's just necessary. Uh, because she was always going to leave him eventually. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there's this... Uh, it's framed as quite optimistic. That, like, without his mother, he learns to garden and... Ca- starts to have the possibility of friends and you know like she is missed and uh he is sad and it is sad but also uh his world has gotten a lot bigger mm-hmm. it's true and i love the sweet moment at the end where she he gives violet the yes. bulbs because she's also a mother figure yeah it's very, very I sweet love that Violet now decides that she doesn't want Reggie to go anywhere, even if it is a good place, because she wants him to stay with them when mm-hmm. she, like, half an hour ago didn't want him around at all. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, predictable, but great. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's, like, it's good for her to be with Fred, because it's making her heart bigger. Yeah. But Fred sometimes needs Violet to temper that a little bit. <laughs> so, can we move on to Crystal? I, I don't. Yes. I, yeah. I don't want to talk about Sister Mary Cynthia. Let's, We're going to have to. We'll do Mary, Sister Mary Cynthia near, like at the end. We'll do some of the smaller things. Yeah. But Crystal's not a smaller thing. She's the other major plot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's not a lot with her. I mean, she's a small thing in this section that she, uh, once the dental surgery is done, she wakes up, uh, and with no teeth. And uh, but still loopy from the gas and just laughs, which is a really fun scene, actually. Yeah, it is because uh, when someone is laughing, you can't help but laugh along, so they all start laughing. Yeah, and uh, Mr. Dockerill says, "Like it's pretty common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a common reaction." Um, and without her rotten teeth, her pregnancy is n- no longer. Uh, we do no longer do we have any medical concerns for her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They all came from her uh, mouth health. Yeah. So she goes into labor immediately afterwards, but like, it's fine. There's yeah. no worry. It's no a good. Birth. I love. I think love that scene though that he comes along to watch the bleeding, and uh, like first of all, she's had five. This is her fifth child. We need to move fast because this body knows what it's doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. gonna give birth, and then. Secondly, she's like at the pushing stage. She's like right at the end of labor, and and Mister Dockerill is used to if people are in pain, you give them the gas. Yeah. And so she he reaches over to give her the gas, and and uh, sister and um, Trixie is like, no, 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 no. She's doing great. This is like my. <laughs> she doesn't need the gas. She's she doesn't doing need fine. the gas. the gas. She's gonna have this baby any like literally any second because she pushes her him out right. Yeah, then, but that is a great little interaction. Yeah, and then and of uh, course, and like they're little like snipes at each other that lead to flirting, that lead to him actually asking her out are great because Trixie does flirt 
just in general. Yes. But this is like, by the end of this, he can legitimately ask her out because they're not working together anymore. And he, like a gentleman, he waited until they weren't working yeah, together anymore. Yeah, that's a good and sign. Then, which all obviously impresses Trixie and she's able to say yes. And it's just like, you're just so happy for Trixie <laughs> to have like, you know, the start of a new relationship or whatever that isn't starting off on any kind of bad foot. It's starting no. off on... It's hey, starting like off him. on classic rom-com. Uh, exactly. Or like <laughs> He's a meat even cute. like the gentlest of rom-com uh, tropes. Yep, exactly. It's just like, and this whole story, the final note on it is Crystal gets her dentures and has movie star white straight teeth. Yep. And gives, flashes a dazzling smile as she walks away and mm-hmm. is all happy. Yep. So hooray for her and them and this entire plot ends very happily. Exactly. There's the other thing I want to talk about before we get to the things I don't want to talk about. <laughs> uh, I mentioned briefly the Turners get a new house. Mm-hmm. What the flat is not good enough for a family of five. Fair enough. Now yep. they have a house. There's not a lot to this story, but like Sheila really wants a house. <laughs> Sheila's the one really pushing like mm-hmm. this flat is not good enough. I need a, a big house, please. Like a bigger house than a flat. Yeah. Um, And then the other little thing... Do you have anything to say about that? No, I don't think so. The other little thing in this section is uh, Sister Winifred wants to learn to drive. Oh my gosh. This is all about comic relief, I think. (gasps) I mean, we saw her earlier in the episode. She was kind of watching Phyllis change gears. And and Phyllis is like, why are you watching me? (laughs) I'm just so fascinated by how it all works. And part of it is because she's coming home on her bicycle and she has all of her dental supplies. And it's a lot. And she kind of sees Phyllis drive by and is like, huh might be nice to like <laughs> that's all subtext and then when there she goes to see sister julianne with sister with uh phyllis there and uh it was like so you want to learn to drive you want me to teach you in my car <laughs> and sister Winifred is just like yeah exactly. <laughs> and phyllis is like well how can i say no to that enthusiasm exactly. <laughs> she like clearly wants to say no but yeah. she's just so enthusiastic <laughs> i love her so much it's like have you seen that little meme where <laughs> there's a couple and she does the like slap her hand and something and they like cream flies off and he catches it <laughs> but then he's like was that mayonnaise <laughs> and she's like yeah <laughs> it's the same kind of yeah of like no uh, embarrassment, no like sheepishness about yeah. you were expecting whipped cream and I gave you mayonnaise. She's just like, yeah! Yeah, exactly. And it's the same here when she is learning how to drive. And Phyllis is like, you're breaking. And Sister Winifred is just like, yeah, I am! She's not, so at, there's you know. 0% like, oh, should I not be breaking? She's just like, breaking! Who could have imagined? It's so, I love it. It's so funny. And that's the end of the episode and nothing else happens. Oh yeah, for sure. Nothing else happens that we want to talk about. Okay, let's back up. Lynchmere is awful. Yeah. And Sister Mary Cynthia is there. We've had like this lead up of several episodes of like, where is she? She, oh, don't worry about her. She's been taken care of. She's being, you know, but she's not. She's been put in this very bleak yeah. mental hospital where the nurse is 
unpleasant and not listening to her and she doesn't know what she needs or wants but it's not that yeah and electrotherapy is often put in fiction as like this horrible torturous thing that we used to do and that's inaccurate because they even still do electrotherapy and it can work and does work but it is code in this episode for mm-hmm. Sister Mary Cynthia being given treatment that is unhelpful, unneeded, and going to make her worse. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like she's gotten much, much worse since we last saw her. I also made notes about electroconvulsive therapy, uh, because, and I said almost the same thing in my mm-hmm. notes, that it's fiction's go-to horror story mental health treatment. Yeah. Like, in fiction... Uh, I, you think of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is what my real first thought with electrotherapy, and mm-hmm. he's uh, conscious. Also, the sequel to The Wizard of Oz called Return to Oz, they give Dorothy electrotherapy because she has made up this world. And Do they? Ever, that movie is so horrible. I've it never gave, seen it. Oh, it gave me such nightmares as a child. It is still the root of so many of my uh, trauma. <laughs> but it uh, in real life, certainly now, they you you get general anesthesia you're getting knocked out before electroconvulsive therapy so that you get it in your sleep and in the story sister mary cynthia like that's what's going to happen she's not Mm going to be conscious and that's one of the sources of her fear and anxiety like you're gonna knock me out and then do things to my body that i don't even know about and i'll wake up and things will have been done to me and i that's like exactly what i'm afraid of yeah um a little one more little note about electrotherapy it, that is just uh yes it's still done we still don't know why or how it works mm-hmm. um which is wild i mean the brain my goodness uh people really don't know how brains work very much <laughs> Uh, but electrotherapy like there's theories that are probably on the right path but we don't know exactly how or why it works but it's a still a pretty effective, actually, like 60 to 80% effective last resort treatment for depression and bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. neither of which are really Mary Cynthia's problem. No. I mean, depression, depression. but, but uh, trauma-induced depression yeah. is not the same, like, not ex- not the same thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Sister Mary Cynthia is depressed but also frightened Mm -hmm. uh and the treatment may help her depression but not her fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. which is another of the major things that is causing her pain yeah she has been an anxious person kind of all along Mm -hmm. she was anxious from earlier before she was attacked and this has of course made her much much worse yep and this is the opposite of helping yeah yes it's re-traumatizing her sister monica jones says when she sees her one of our own is immured in a place of torment uh which also uh yeah and she says that we must you know get the cavalry and go and rescue her and when sister julienne tries she's turned away and she doesn't and this episode ends without 
her having been saved. And so we have to look forward to future episodes where hopefully she will be. Yeah, uh, I frankly like I like I'm mean, a spoiler free, but I don't actually remember what ha- what sequence of events is next. It's not common for this show to stretch out a storyline like this. I mean, we often have season wide like overarching stories, mm-hmm. like the thalidomide story. Yeah, but like an indiv- a character's story ending without ending an episode without resolution ending an episode without like more than one episode without us knowing not only what uh whether things are gonna turn out okay but even like what if anything is gonna be done mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a rough ending for sister mary cynthia it's a rough season mm-hmm. two seasons for uh Sister Mary Cynthia, and it is really upsetting to see her again like this. Yes, exactly. Ugh. The she holds up her hand to the glass, and Sister Monica Joan to the other side of the glass. It just breaks my heart in two. Ah. So the, what's your favorite part of this episode? <laughs> my favorite, favorite part, part of the episode is Timothy. <laughs> Sassy, sassy. sassy oh, I love it with all my heart. The like, it, I do tidy it, and then it gets untidy again. It's a mystery. <laughs> I've said it like five times this episode because it's so <laughs> funny to me. I have uh, sassy children sometimes. <laughs> yes, and like, I love it. And as you said, I like when Timothy is uh, Libby. Yeah. <laughs> He's very smart and very observant and very responsible. And it is actually, it's not just that he's not perfect. It's that they make him imperfect in very realistic and believable ways. Because he is very smart and very responsible and very observant. And sometimes is superior and talks to his father as if he is uh, his father's... uh, Peer. Peer or... Uh, like chastises his yeah. father and like i love it because that's exactly how a kid that smart would talk sometimes mm-hmm. maybe even often <laughs> and t- and uh, patrick often treats him almost like a peer and yeah. so like yeah he gives him like real sass and it is <laughs> lovely yep i love it what is your favorite part um uh i'm torn because i really like uh trixie and and Christopher, but I don't think there's a moment. The more mm. the moment has to be Sister Monica Jones saying two opinions <laughs> are better than one, especially when one is mine. Because yes. <laughs> I think I might just use that in my regular life. From now on. <laughs> uh, so this was in some ways quite a rough episode. Yes, uh, it but... needed the the learning how to drive scene because otherwise I would have like sunk into yeah despair over Sister Mary Cynthia. Um. And like, we'll see what happens next. Uh, if you have, if you want to shit, Jan accidentally asked you to tell her uh, in <laughs> gritty detail your dental horror stories. Uh, I'm not going to read those if you send them, but Jan has promised to. So you can communicate with us about that or other thoughts about this episode or call the midwife or our show. And you can do that by how, Jan? Um, email? We have email. 
It is poplar at clockworksacademy.com. We have a Discord that will be linked in our show notes where you can chat with us uh, in real time, I guess. We often respond right away because it pops up on my phone and I have no life. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We are on uh, other social medias like Twitter Twitter for as long as it exists. It's it's hard to leave. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably Facebook and Instagram, but who knows. And if you really like what we do and want to support us, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can chip in a little bit of money to us. That would be very nice. We've had in the past, like, special features for patrons. We've been pretty slack on that recently. Yeah, if you'd like to see some more things, let us know. But yeah, let us know what you would like us to be doing, and we'll definitely... uh, I mean, at the minimum, we will consider it. Uh, we might very well do it. Yeah, we um, could review some other shows. We could talk about ourselves, if you care at all. Prob- I don't know why you would, but maybe you would. Anything. We, we also just... Uh, Clockworks Academy is the uh, email address, and I'm going to mention right now that that is another uh, thing that I do, particularly. Uh, Clockworks Academy is an online school that offers courses on medieval literature and monster literature and critical theory, and uh, you can check that out, and uh, I'm sure to be teaching a course soon that you could join and would be wonderful to have you in. I have been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And that's just my popular opinion. Thank you.